0: I'm Dan Hebert, Financial Planning Program Director and advisor to the Financial Planning Club here at MSU. And welcome to the MAV Money Talk podcast, podcast by students, for students, helping you make the best choices you can with your money while you're still in school and also when you're getting started in your career. Topics will range from how to save money, how to invest, how to understand your benefits once you've entered your careers, and it's all in a fun environment. As you listen to each episode, jot down at least one thing you can apply today to make a difference in your money. Now, on with the show. Well, greetings, listeners, and welcome back to Mav Money Talk. This is episode four, and we have a special guest on today, Carolyn Nelson, um, who is the Minnesota State Mankato Scholarship Director of Admissions. And if I have that wrong, Carolyn, please, please correct me for sure. But we're just really thankful for you for carving out part of your busy day here to talk to our listeners about all things scholarship and even student loan related. So I'm going to pass it over to Charlie, uh, who's on our call as well. So, Charlie, take it away.
1: Thank you, Dan. Uh, My name is Charlie Frazzini, and I'm a part of the MAV Money Talks podcast. And today we'll be talking to Carolyn Nelson about scholarships, and we're going to find out what scholarships are, who can get them, how to stand out as a potential scholarship candidate, and ways to find out more information about scholarships at MSU. And with that, I'd like to introduce you to Carolyn Nelson.
2: Hi, everybody. I'm so happy uh, to be here today representing Minnesota State University Mankato, um, but also I hope that this information is just helpful to anybody who want, might want to have some advice about applying for scholarships, um, maximizing, uh, or I should say minimizing what you're paying uh, for school and this investment in your future. Um, so I'm happy to be here today. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Uh, do you want to just start out and tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, well, my name's uh, Carolyn Nelson. I'm a Minnesota State University Mankato alumni twice over. I have my undergraduate degree in political science and a master's degree in educational leadership. I have um, 15 years of experience uh, working uh, in higher education, especially in enrollment management uh, and also um, a higher education. Financing. I have presented several times at the National Scholarship Providers Association National Conference on Scholarship Management best practices and emergency aid programs as well.
1: Awesome. Wow, that's a a long list of experience.
2: (laughs) Thank you. I I can
1: tell you're very qualified. Um, So the first question is just some general information about a scholarship, you know, what is it? And then do you wanna just give a little information about scholarships at MSU?
2: Sure. Um, So a scholarship is really an opportunity for a student to access um, money that they don't have to repay, right? And a scholarship, when you're talking about scholarships, usually you're talking about um, money that's awarded based on some measure of merit. And so oftentimes it's academic merit, Um, That might be, you know, your major, um, certainly your GPA, um, but it also might be merit in terms of, you know, if you're a musician and you're going to be contributing to the um, Maverick Machine Athletic Band, right? You're bringing a talent and a merit um, to the the table, and you might be deserving of a talent-based scholarship. Um, But really, scholarships are um, awards. Um, that recognize some sort of merit um, in, in an individual. Um, and uh, it's an, an, oftentimes an incentive also for enrolling at the university and a reward for what you've done previous, but also recognition of potential um, for the future as well. Uh, Here at Minnesota State University, Mankato, we offer recruitment-based scholarships um, to new incoming students based on their high school GPA um, and the things that they've done and accomplished in high school. And then once they enroll with us, we want them to continue to work hard with us, right? Um, And so annually, we do about $2 million here at the university through 600 and plus unique scholarship opportunities. We try to make things as simple as possible. For students to apply recognizing that that application process can be a barrier for students in applying and accessing these funds especially those students who need it the most and so we utilize a tool called scholarship finder which once students log in um, with their unique university id they're able to be matched to the scholarships that they uniquely are qualified for and so we recognize that you're Time is an investment <laughs> too. And so um, we don't want you as a business student to be applying for engineering st- scholarships. And we don't want engineering students to be applying for psychology specific scholarships. So once you log in, you can com- complete a general application. And based on the information that we know about you from your student record, we are able to match you to scholarships that you uniquely are qualified for. So um, we don't want to waste your time. Your time is precious as a student. And uh we try to keep things as simple as possible for you.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I've looked at the scholarship finder and there's there's so many scholarships. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. You But you just search, you know, they do a great job at narrowing it down because you could be a business student from a really specific part of the state with this GPA and get a scholarship. And I think that's really cool. There's that level of specificity mm-hmm. with the scholarships. And from those, are there any more general scholarships? Are there like some popular ones that you should be applying for because it's kind of a no-brainer?
2: Yeah, there are um, some that some that are going to be specific to different majors, like I mentioned, um, specific to extracurriculars. But there are some scholarships that are just open to every single student at the university. Um, so one I always like to mention is our MAV MAV CARES Student Scholarship. Um, so that one is. Um, open to everyone. We also have one full tuition scholarship. That's the Margaret Preska Scholarship. She's a former president here at the university, um, and uh, every couple of years we're able to offer that up to everybody, but real nice incentive there to have that full tuition scholarship there. But we really, for those ones, we're looking for our university leaders regardless of what their academic major is.
1: And then for those scholarships, are there any essay requirements or are they pretty general, just give some information about you, maybe a resume or something?
2: Yeah, um, Charlie, um, you're giving me the opportunity to make a pitch for students to um, not wait to the last minute to apply for scholarships, right? So our scholarship season here at the university occurs in the month of February and about 90% of applications are submitted in the last week. Wow. And so um, it's to your benefit as a scholarship applicant, wherever that might be, to apply and log in early um, to review the application materials that they're going to be asked. So if a scholarship is going to be asking you for a letter of, of recommendation, if you want a positive letter of recommendation, it's best practice for you to give that um, faculty or employer recommendation time to do the <laughs> the recommendation for you. And so um, if there are essays that you might need to have completed, um, go ahead and um, take some time to be planful and um, thoughtful in those essay responses too. And generally, you know, the larger the dollar amount, the more um, effort is required from students as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And one of my questions that can kind of go off of that is, what are the best ways as a student to stand out to applicants? Is there anything that, Mm -hmm. you know, the admissions office is looking for, for people applying for scholarships?
2: I think the most important thing that um, students can be when they're applying for scholarships is their own authentic self. Mm-hmm. and so uh as someone who reviews hundreds of scholarship applications annually that you know i don't know what my number is over my whole tenure here um but uh it's very easy to tell if a student you know has is using their authentic voice is being their own they're the ones writing the application and not regurgitating what they think that they should say right, right? And so be yourself um, and uh, an authentic voice um, is very easy for seasoned scholarship reviewers um, to identify. Um, it's also important for you um, to know who you are in the scholarship application process. And so what about you is unique Unique in this applica- application? Pool, and so everyone in an applicant applicant pool is meeting basic and minimum requirements. And so, what makes you stand out in that pool, right? Um, If you are applying for a large scholarship, recognizing that you know probably everybody in this scholarship pool has a three point eight GPA, if that's the minimum requirement. Um, so maybe it's wonderful that you are in the National Honor Society, but so is everyone else, Yeah. right? And so what else are you doing, right? Are you engaged in something uniquely entrepreneurial? Have you started your own business? Have you, are you an Eagle Scout compared to like, are you engaged in the Boy Scouts of America sorts of program? So think about those things that are your unique qualities. Sometimes it's that you are the first in your family, you know, to mm. be accessing higher education, right? Um, sometimes that means that you are, you know, caring for your younger brothers and sisters um, at home or that you're a first generation immigrant and you actually speak three different languages right? So thinking about those things that make you unique as an individual in a qualified pool and making sure to highlight those things.
1: Yeah. And that sounds a lot like, you know, it's the intro to an actual job application and going into the real world. They, from what I've gathered, you know, employers like to see authenticity and they like to see that you've done things beyond the classroom. And that's kind of what it sounds like, you know, but it's like a good introduction into that because it's for scholarships. So, yeah. yeah. And
2: actually, actually, Charlie, I often tell students to treat a scholarship application just like they would a resume, right? So yeah. it should be a fluid document that you update annually with the new things that you're doing and you're engaging in and that you customize to different scholarship opportunities right? So every scholarship application, especially with external scholarship applications that you might be doing outside of the university, um, those should all be uniquely customized to those different scholarship application processes. Just like you would apply differently to, you'd submit a different resume, you should be submitting a different resume to different employers.
1: So would it be accurate to say that, um, when you're applying for scholarships, even if you don't get the scholarship, the worst case scenario is you just got better practice for when you actually apply for another job interview or position you want to get down the line.
2: Yeah, practice makes perfect, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Let's see. Last question I'd like to ask is what is... Kind of a general best piece of advice for somebody who's trying to make college as affordable as possible? Maybe just kind of pool together all the different opportunities?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, college accessibility is so tied up in affordability. And I know that this topic is on the mind of many different students and their families, um, too. And so I think one of the things that you did correctly, Charlie, is that you chose a high quality, affordable option like Minnesota State University, Mankato. Um, and that was I hope that that was conscious, right, that it was a good fit for you academically. But also, you know, you are investing in your future when you are attending our university. And so, um being planful with that investment like any other investment you might make in the future is important and so I think it's important for students and families to sit down and um, make a a budget right a family yeah. budget a student budget um, you know how have conversations about how this investment is going to happen is it going to be through scholarships is it going to be through you know student employment? Is uh, Is your family going to be able to contribute some to your education um, to make time to apply for need-based financial aid like the FAFSA? And so just like scholarships, need-based aid like Pell Grants um, don't have to be repaid. And so being intentional about those types of need-based financial aid that you take out can be important. Accessing scholarships at our university, but also Taking some time to do an external scholarship um, search, um, too. And again, while you're doing those external scholarship searches, be intentional about how you are applying. You know, if you're just entering the search word scholarships into Google, you come up with an overwhelming amount of um, things to apply for. But if you start to put in search terms like scholarships in Minnesota, scholarships for um, STEM, science, technology, Mm -hmm. engineering, and math students, Um, science in Minnesota, uh, scholarships for STEM students who are women, right? As you're starting to build those scholarship search around the things that you are uniquely qualified for, now you are kind of getting to the scholarships that um, you are likely to be not only a qualified applicant for, but a successful applicant as well.
1: Yeah. I can imagine it'd be a, it would just be very overwhelming if you look on Google for any scholarship, because I thought it was kind of overwhelming just looking at yeah. every scholarship yeah. at MSU. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And one kind of piece of advice I'd like to give is when you're choosing your college and trying to make it as affordable as possible, I think the best thing to do is kind of look at your goals and... Make sure that the university you want to attend aligns with those goals. Maybe it's a career choice or affordability or location. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, when you're 18 years old, maybe just think about how I can have fun and be with my friends and have the best college experience. But in a couple of years, that will go away and your career and making college as affordable as possible will be probably your top priority. Mm -hmm. So just sitting down and like you said, budgeting and talking with your family about your goals before you go to college, that's a huge thing that people need to take advantage of.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I want to recognize too that for a lot of families and a lot of students that, you know, the need to take out student loans is really a part of that conversation. And so, um, the a good rule of thumb um, that I've always kind of used for um, students when they're making decisions about taking out loans or saying how much is too much maybe, right, is, you know, if you're planning for the future to, um, you know, you don't want to take out more in student loans over the course of your four years and completing your education than what you can expect your starting salary might be in that profession. And so that dollar amount is gonna be different for an engineer than it is maybe for a um, social worker or a teacher. Um, And so that doesn't mean that you should just take out all that you might need, right? You should be living within a student budget. And that really means like you can afford a new pair of sunglasses every once in a while, but you probably can't afford a pair of Gucci sunglasses right? And yeah. so being practical and smart with how your expe- your expenses look while you're a student is really important, too.
1: Yeah, and I think maybe people, when they hear living within their means and budgeting, they might take it too far and, yeah. oh, I can only, I can never eat out. I can only buy, you know, clothes from non-name brand clothes. And I think that can be kind of a misconception that mm-hmm. people think they have to go all in or all out. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. And I think sometimes students say, well, I'll, I can just work more. I can just work more. Right. And we know here at the university that, you know, if you are being successful as a student, you really need to be committing at least 40 hours per week, you know, to your educational experience, to going to class, to prepping and p- preparing for class, to doing the re- reading materials. And so, you know, if you're really treating, your university experience as a full-time job, you ought to be you know, spending 40 hours a week on being successful in the classroom. And so that limits your ability to work outside of the classroom and be successful here. So we know that students who work more than 20 hours a week have a harder time being academically successful um, at our university because you have to sleep somewhere right? You need to have a good amount of sleep. Um, and so, you know, it is important to think about as a student, not only, um, how you might work to pay for school, but also I think a work experience can be a really positive educational experience as well, whether that's working on campus, um, in one of our student offices and gaining office work experience or Mm -hmm. working off campus and, you know, elevating yourself to managerial role, um, experience too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely been there where it all sounds good when you're maybe applying for classes or planning out your, your uh, work and course load. Oh, I can just work more. But it sounds good when you're not working and you're not in the thick of it. And then once finals come and you have to work and study yep. and, you know, the pressure to perform is kind of there, you might rethink that that previous decision <laughs> mm-hmm. of just working more because it's hard, you know? It is. You and it's your your top priority if you're a student is to do well academically, even though you might want to work and money sounds appealing.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: like you said, it would be the best to maybe work less, but get quality work experience that can translate into what you want to do in your future. So maybe Instead of working, if you want to work 24 hours a week at Home Depot, maybe work somewhere maybe 12 hours a week, but in an office, or maybe some sort of mini internship job experience. Mm -hmm. Because, even though you'll make less money, you'll get more valuable experience and be able to do well academically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
2: think a a reality for a lot of students today too, is that they, they have to work, they're working to pay for their rent to Mm -hmm. pay for their food um, too. And so sometimes when the rubber hits the road on, you know, what decision do you make? Do I work or do I go to class? You know, if your basic needs are not being met, Then you have to work and you can't go to class, right? And so that's when that cycle of, um, you know, that choice happens is, you know, you have to work because you have to work to afford to live, right? Right. And so that educational experience kind of sometimes comes down on that hierarchy of needs um, for students. But if you're planful from the start of the semester and you budget your time, you budget your money. Um, and you have conversations about having some level of savings account, right? Even if it's small as a student, $250 can kind of get you through a little bump in the road and allow you to work fewer hours during that one week, perhaps when midterms or finals are, if you're budgeting, um, appropriately, that gives you a lot of flexibility in those stressful times to make that choice. That's right for your academics.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a good segue into our next episode, episode five, where we'll start to talk about budgeting. And Aiden, Austin, and I will come on and talk about our budgeting strategies and you know how we attack the the week or the month. We have different strategies with our food and uh, just overall purchases, wants. Mm -hmm. And I think that we'll give some great advice there in the next episode. Uh, Dan, did you have any questions for Carolyn?
0: You know, I had a quick one and maybe I heard this and I'm completely wrong, but it seems to me I heard, and maybe you covered this already and I missed it, but are there more scholarship opportunities that go unmet? So in other words, we don't have enough applicants to cover the scholarships and they just don't get met Mm -hmm. is that That
2: that? it happens it happens Um, it doesn't happen often here at the university but there are some scholarships where um, the donor requirements for awarding are so restrictive. That if you don't have that student from a specific southern Minnesota town yeah. apply, it we yeah. may not be able to award it as a student, and so um, it uh, it doesn't happen often because we have so much demand here, um, and we try to s- spread our scholarship opportunities um, around, and we're very intentional about awarding um, the best candidates here, uh, but uh, but yes, it happens, and so. Sometimes um, students say, I'm not gonna get it because I don't have that 4.0 GPA or I don't have that real high academic GPA. Well, there are some scholarships at our university that a donor has said, hey, I was not that student, right? I was a 2.0 student who barely squeaked by, by, you know, the, um, by my own grit, right? And so they want to help that student who's barely squeaking by just like they were. Okay, but if you didn't, because your GPA, if you opted out of the application because you didn't think you might be qualified, you're missing out on that opportunity.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting to bring that up because it's exactly now that I'm thinking about it, how I heard that. So we have, you know, just to look at our own financial planning area, we've got scholarship scholarships for financial planning students, but they must be, like you say, they must be from a smaller town. They must have a certain GPA. They must sit for their CFP designation exam in -hmm. a certain time period. So yeah, so anyway, but yeah, so good information.
2: But it's always good to raise your hand. Right. Yeah. You know, like raise your hand and when say, hey, I could do it right. You know, like submit the application. They can only say no. Right? That's and exactly what you're I Are mean. In exactly the same place as you were before.
1: Let them okay. say rather than you. You've said that in previous episodes too, it can't hurt, you know? Yep. And like I said, the worst case scenario is you get better experience putting yourself out there and sending your qualifications to other people.
2: Right. right, and show me show me that job opportunity. Maybe you'll have it someday as a financial planner, um, but show me that job opportunity where you spend one hour submitting an application and you make $250 out of it.
0: Great. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? exactly. So what's exactly. your
2: return on your time investment here? It's never better than when you're submitting a scholarship application.
0: Yep, so true. Well, Carolyn, this has just been super helpful Um this is one of our best episodes so we really appreciate it a ton all the great information you've given us and um if you if we have a, a need in the future would you be open to coming on again and maybe talking about maybe some more specific topics not to monopolize your time here but
2: no i love talking about money
0: okay we do, <laughs> we do too that's why we call it mad money talk yeah <laughs> <laughs> so great well thanks everybody for listening Really appreciate it. Uh, Stay tuned for episode five, as Charlie's given kind of a sneak peek, we'll talk a little bit more about budgeting, which is nobody's favorite subject, but I think that it could certainly help you in that three-pronged approach that we've talked about on how to finance your education, personal savings, which includes cash flow, scholarships, as Carolyn has talked about today, and also student loans and some of the factors that are involved there. So thanks again, everybody, and stay tuned for episode five. Well, that's our episode for today. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully you found one thing you can apply today to make progress with your money. In future episodes, we'll introduce something called Your Blueprint, which will be a way for you to capture some of the things you've learned over the episodes into a document you can refer to as you plan your way. And if you have any ideas for our team to cover, please drop us a line. We'd love to cover it for you. And if you liked our episode, again, thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, or tell a friend about it, rate and review the podcast, and please stay tuned for more MAV Money Talks. Have a great day.